Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 107 of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we'll look back at the weekend that was with the first win of the year for Kyle Larson uh, there at Richmond. We'll react to it and also look ahead to the Bristol Dirt Race. Plus, uh, David spent the weekend out at Texas Motor Speedway where... The IndyCar Series uh, put on quite the show. We'll get his thoughts on that, as well as the uh, Truck Series uh, with a standalone race there at, at uh, Texas Motor Speed. We'll, we'll uh, dive into that. Later on, we'll have our uh, news and notes segments, and then uh, our Ask David segment coming up at the end of the show. David Starr joins us as always. Uh, David, always a pleasure, my friend. How was uh, your weekend there? Man, it was great. It was a uh... Great weekend there at Texas Motor Speedway with the NASCAR Camp World Truck Series, uh, Craftsman Truck Series, and uh, they did, did not disappoint. They, those guys put on a heck of a show and had a first-time winner there, and that was cool to see. And then to, to follow back up with Sunday with an exceptional, awesome, just a hell of a IndyCar race was just pretty cool. It was just a fun weekend of racing, not only at Texas Motor Speedway, but there in Richmond as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, Dominic Aragon joins me right now. Dom, uh, we were on the road this week, but not for racing. Uh, I was enjoying myself in Houston, David's hometown, Final Four. And uh, you were back in Vegas already? We were just there. I know. I was a little early for the NASCAR race, hoping to catch some action at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. But it looks like the family and I, we had to settle for a concert at Caesars Palace with Sting. It was awesome, man. I don't know. I know our listeners are a lot of old school music listeners and and, and david I, i'm sure you grew up listening to the police it was pretty cool to see sting in concert and he wore this big vibrant yellow vest and looked like a bumblebee and he sounds exactly the same man the only difference is he's got the white hair but he played all his big hits he entertained us for about a good two hours it was money well spent absolutely man that's just that's that's good music i don't make music like that anymore so it's pretty cool you got to uh you got to hear it live. That's amazing. They're supposed oh, yeah. to be there. Well, he started with this acoustic guitar, and he had it on stage, and he gives a backstory on how the song Roxanne came to be. And then all of a sudden, the curtain drops, and his entire band is right behind him. They go straight into Message in a Bottle to open the concert and had everybody on their feet. It's pretty cool. 4,100 people there at the Coliseum at Caesars Palace. You ever been there, Dave? I never have, but that's pretty awesome. Sounds like a great time, dude. <laughs> it was good. Yeah, I got to, you know, spend time with the family and my mom and dad. Police was with us. My brother flew in to watch Christopher at the hotel room. It was a good weekend. Definitely one to remember, Tyler. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I got to tell you guys, Final Four, I was covering that for TuneIn Radio, doing uh, pre- and post-game coverage of Final Four. And, and David, uh, I know that you've been to a lot of sporting events outside of just motorsports, but there's – what, it doesn't matter whether you're at an NASCAR race or a basketball game or football game. Just when the crowd's into it and, you know, a championship environment like was there in Houston on Saturday and, and Monday. I know that UConn dominated and ultimately won the national title. But I, I got to tell you, there's something special always about being in a championship environment when the crowd is into it and 70,000 plus there, uh, you know, both knights of the championship houston put on quite a show they did a great job hosting there at a nrg stadium david uh i stayed downtown and everything i was very impressed with your hometown and what they did to uh put on that final four there 
Well, man, that's good to hear. It's good to hear. And, you, you know, and for, for what me and Dominic and you know, I mean, the, 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 the energy, the atmosphere, the, the, you know, the, how just the crowd, you know, and, and, uh, man, we, we've been a lot of championship weekends and, uh, the energy and the, just the excitement of the crowd just just makes the event even better that way, you know. And I and uh, it's good to hear that Houston did a fabulous job putting on the Final Four championship. Uh, congratulations to UConn. That's not who I wanted to see win the thing, but uh, but you know, hey, they they uh, they earned it. They dominated it, like you said, and uh, and it looked like there was uh, a, you know just. Uh, Looked like a, a great weekend there, you know, with just everything that was going on. Oh, yeah. I was telling Dominic, uh, I think it was a week or two ago, I, I just get the itch now. I, I don't get to go to as many events as I used to, but just being at sporting events, whether it's NASCAR races or football or basketball games, just being there in person, uh, there, there's an itch, you know, a good feeling there. And I uh, certainly felt that this weekend. Uh David, you were at Texas Motor Speedway with uh, the IndyCar race putting on a show in the truck race uh, with uh, their performance. And, you know, I, I think there was questions about Texas Motor Speedway going forward with not having the spring cup day anymore with the all-star race moving to North Wilkesboro. And, of course, uh, Coda having Texas's old date. Um, but you still have this IndyCar weekend and the trucks ended up racing there for the second straight straight week in Texas as they were in Coda the week prior. And it sounded like both series put on a show, in particular IndyCar. Um, it's been a while since we've seen really good racing there at Texas Motor Speedway from the IndyCar series, but it looked like uh, TMS uh, showed out uh, pretty well for not having a cup race. Man, you know, it's been a while since I've I, uh, you know, partaked or been a part of or, or even been there. Uh, uh, you know, wouldn't have been there if I'd have been racing in Richmond, but my next race is not until Talladega, but, uh, but, you know, very, uh, it was very cool to watch the truck series. Uh, man, they, those guys put on a heck of a race. It was exciting all the way to the end. And, uh, you know, and, and then to follow that up with a, a just a great IndyCar race. Oh my God, those guys were, I mean, it was amazing the battle and, uh, you know, these, these guys in these Indy cars, man, they're running 225 miles an hour. I mean, and they're they're touching – I mean, it looks like they're touching wheels. You know, they're that close. And uh, – but, man, they, it did not disappoint. It was just amazing racing this weekend at the Texas Motor Speedway. I was excited to see that, you know. Uh, as you guys know, Dominic and, and, and you, Tyler, y'all heard over the last couple of years, some of the drivers complain that – you know, racing is not that great. Doesn't produce great racing. But I got to tell you, from a fan standpoint, this weekend and watching it like I did, and not being out there competing, it was uh, it didn't disappoint uh, either series. You know, the the truck series and and the IndyCar series. So uh, it was just it's good to see that uh, that the, they had a pretty good crowd. And uh, I believe everybody got their money's worth. And it was just an amazing weekend there. Let me ask you this, David, uh, before we talk about the uh, win from Kyle Larson and look back at the weekend in Richmond, um, you know, the truck series, it used to be more frequent that the trucks or the Xfinity series would get these standalone races 
uh, where they were going where the Cup Series was not at, and they were kind of the stars of the weekend, right? And, and you know, like take example Iowa Speedway, trucks and Xfinity racing in front of sellout crowds, and they're the big ticket in town. There's not a Cup race. And that always seemed pretty cool, at least. I don't know what Dominic thinks uh, from afar of seeing those guys get the spotlight, get the attention. Now you had that of the trucks being the only NASCAR race there. And I saw endless promotions. I couldn't get on Facebook the last three weeks without seeing some type of promotion or ad for the truck race at Texas Motor Speedway. You were in the truck series for a long time. Obviously, uh, you raised the Xfinity Series have been a part of this. How big of a deal is it for those truck drivers or the Xfinity drivers when they get the chance to be uh, represent NASCAR and be the the one show in town for those standalone weekends? Man, I always always thought it was something special, and really cool. You know that that the Na the NASCAR uh, camp, you know, Craftsman Truck Series back then uh, was standalone events. I remember racing at uh, Mansfield, Ohio. Uh, at a half mile short track and a race track, awesome facilities, and man, they brought they brought in uh, you know they had bleachers all the way, temporary bleachers all the way around this little half mile track there in Mansfield, Ohio, and dude, you would have I mean that that town laid out the red carpet for every every competitor, every team. It was amazing the the warm welcome and, and how we felt like, like we were the, uh, the big show. We were the big show, you know, we were, we're not the cup series, but man, I, these standalone events to me are something really special, you know, because you, your audience, uh, you know, you're just, you know, you're the only NASCAR series there and, uh, you know, and, and you have a great crowd and, 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 man, they just welcome you with open arms. And, uh, you know, I kind of felt that way this weekend at Texas Motor Speedway. It just, you know, people, there was a lot of NASCAR fans there, and, and uh, I just heard nothing but positive feedback. And then definitely after the race and, and the next day, there was a lot of buzz about the truck race because it was really good. Uh, it was a great race. And uh, But, no, the standalone events for me, and, and I remember for other competitors, it was something special for us because uh, we were the big show, per se, that 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 weekend. Well, Dominic, I know COVID kind of got in the way of uh, a lot of the standalone stuff that condensed schedule in 2020, uh, you know, really kind of ended that for a while. And now they're just starting to open that up. I love the standalone stuff of not only for these guys to have the big stage, but it's a real opportunity to experiment with some new tracks and figure out what could be potential good fits for the Cup Series. Oh, absolutely. Maybe backtracking a few steps here, too. But when you, when you think back on those Iowa races that you saw in the mid-2010s and right before the pandemic, a lot of those guys got the attention that maybe they otherwise wouldn't have gotten, like you said. And I, I think of guys like Ryan Vargas, who really stood out with JD Motorsports, or the time Ryan Priest ran with Joe Gibbs Racing and was able to win at Iowa and that propelled him to a part-time ride. The next year in Xfinity, JTG Doherty Racing, and then his role with Stuart Haas, and now back in the Cup Series, there were some great opportunities to see these standalone races, show drivers shine, and really showcase who could be out front. I remember Kenny Wallace running that race to Joe Gibbs Racing at Iowa in his final. David Gillen. David Gillen. Yeah, there's so many good moments to talk about that have definitely been career-defining. And had those not been standalone races, I don't know if some of these guys would have gotten that attention or springboard that maybe they ultimately didn't. David, real quick on this, and then we'll move on and talk about uh, 
Kyle Larson's win at Richmond here. Um, you know, of some good standalone tracks of some sort, it's like, I think of like IRP, for example. I am, it, it bums me out that we don't race at IRP or the Milwaukee Mile anymore in the trucks and the Xfinity Series. You mentioned, you know, like, you know, mid-Ohio or some of these other courses. What would you like to see potentially come back to the truck or Xfinity schedule that maybe not, maybe isn't a good fit for Cup, but could be a perfect setting potentially for Cup, for uh, truck or Xfinity uh, that comes to mind? Man, you hit on a couple of them there, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, the St. Louis racetrack, you know, now, now the Cup has a Cup race there and had a Cup race there last year. It was amazing. Love to go back to the the St. Louis racetrack, uh, the Xfinity Series, and I know the trucks compete there. Uh, but you know, tracks like the you know tracks, just short tracks, something different. Iowa Speedway, man, really love the Iowa Speedway. It was just there were so many different racing grooves. It was uh, it was just a great racetrack. The fans were incredible in that part of the country. And I love to see the truck series and, and possibly the Xfinity series go back to Iowa Speedway because it was a, a great facility, you know. And uh, man, you mentioned one to me that was always a favorite, the Milwaukee Mile. The Milwaukee Mile, what a great racetrack that was for years that we competed at. And another favorite of mine that you mentioned is Indianapolis Raceway Park. God, that was also that was a, a great race. Uh, I miss racing there, and it was cool seeing, um, I believe, the Truck Series. Was it the Truck Series that ran a race there uh, last year? Am I correct about that? I, uh, that sounds right. Off the I think so, yeah. Yes. But, man, those are some great racetracks that, you know, be pretty awesome if, if, if the Truck Series or the Xfinity Series had the opportunity to go back there and race because, man, those racetracks really produce great racing, not only for the competitors, but for a, a fan experience. It was amazing, you know, and uh, and they're all very racy in their in their own ways. But, uh, but man, uh, you know, Indianapolis Raceway Park uh, would be one. Uh, again, the Milwaukee Mile. Um uh, and then you know the uh, the track there in St. Louis Gateway, you know it's uh, man great racetracks. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's look at look back at this weekend. Uh, Kyle Larson gets the win there at Richmond, his first win of 2023, his twentieth uh, win in the NASCAR Cup Series. And Dominic, I, I watched most of this race from start to finish, and. You know, here you had uh, William Byron was right up there up front again. I think he's been the best all season, not just because he has the most wins, but he's been up front. He's been competitive each and every week. And every race we've seen, you're going to have to beat William Byron. He was really good again. But Kyle Larson found a way to be slightly better than William Byron and get the job done. I, I, I thought not only was it big for – Kyle Larson to get this win, but to beat that 24 car, which has been without question the best car in that Hendrick stable. I think that was probably, they they probably wouldn't say this out loud, but I think that was probably big for momentum and confidence to beat that 24 team this week. Well, you just look at it on the surface, right? Kyle Larson popped his head back up and said, hey, we're here too. We're here and we're, we're here to compete with the rest of the Hendrick camp. But that 20th career win, Tyler, 
Tying Speedy Thompson on the all-time NASCAR wins list, 42 career or 42nd overall, 20 career wins. Really phenomenal. And I think without a doubt saying before entering this weekend, we certainly know this answer now. Seven races into the 2023 season, David Hendrick Motorsports is the dominant theme of the year. Yeah, no doubt about it. Every weekend, you know, we're talking about one of their cars, you know, and uh, William Byron, and obviously hearing you guys speak about him, he is definitely the you know, uh, is definitely the uh, the one that's really shining bright there at Hendrick Motorsports. But all their cars have been fast all year long, you know. So no surprise that William Byron and um, and um, Kyle Kyle Larson were the, the two dominant cars at the at the race this weekend at Richmond. And uh, you know, we're not surprised that uh, that Kyle Larson got the victory, you know. But uh, but man, it just seems like to me. Just like what y'all are speaking about, I believe uh, Hendrix is really the the you know and and has always been the uh, the dominant team of 2023 so far. Yeah, um, we've seen improvement from Ford and Toyota, especially Toyota the last couple of weeks. Martin Truex Jr. was running up front uh, for quite a bit this uh, past weekend, uh, but on the Hendrick front, David, I mean. They got hit with that bad penalty where all the teams lost 100 points and 100 driver points. And then the council ends up uh, repealing the penalty where they all got their points back. The crew chiefs remained, remained suspended. But who was it? Kevin Mendering that was uh, on the box for, uh, uh, you know, for Kyle Larson. And, you know, they none of those injured cars – Missed a beat going to backup crew chiefs or whatever it may be. Um, they might have backup crew chiefs here for the next couple of weeks, but they got their points back. They're still running up front. Uh, you talk about momentum all the time, David. Even with what Hendrick's gone through the last couple of weeks, here they are, and everything seems to be going afloat, even with the adversity they've faced. Hey, absolutely. Yeah, you know, with the adversity they've been facing. Uh, but you know, they're that organization is is deep, deep with so much talent, you know, and, uh, you know, if they lose a crew chief for a race or two or four, uh, I can assure you the engineering staff, the, the, the car chiefs, uh, you know, they got their talent level is deep into that organization, you know, and, uh, and I think that's done on purpose, you know, and, and they did not skip a beat, even though that they, ha I don't know how you say the interim crew chiefs, um, yeah. You know, but, you know, uh, I, I would say that other racing teams, if they lost their crew chiefs for, you know, two, three, four races, it really would affect, uh, you know, you would see some type of change in the performance. You know, maybe not a big change, but a change. But, you know, I think Hendrick Motorsports and their leadership and, and you know, this the, the depth of – uh, of talent and skill sets that that work there at Hendrick Motorsports, and you know, again, you know, most racing teams that they lost the crew chief, you would see a change in the performance. You don't see that at Hendrick Motorsports, and you know, it, it's they, uh, you know, e even under all this adversity, they're still winning races, still the dominant team, you know. So it it right. just says says a lot about that organization and. And, and what we've always talked about, Hendricks has always been the, the powerhouse of the Cup Series of NASCAR. And, uh, you know, uh, we're not surprised to see Hendricks still dominate and still winning races.
you know, uh, we've gone this far without mentioning Josh Berry. And, Dominic, uh, I'm not trying to pick on our guy, Jonathan Feld, here, but I I was a little annoyed with Feld when he put out a headline that said, strategy and luck help Josh Berry finish second. No, he earned that. I mean, that was good calls on their part. He earned that. He was up front. I mean, I I loved what I saw from from Josh Berry and credit that team for putting him in position and capitalizing on it. That that wasn't good luck. That was that was earned. Josh Berry with a breakout performance. We've seen uh several drivers come out and say he is a cup caliber driver. He's ready to go. Um breakout performance from Josh Berry and and I would be shocked uh after that if he doesn't have a full-time cup ride next year. Well, I see where you're coming from, and yes, the second place finished 10 laps, led certainly nothing to, to knock. Great run, best career finish to date in the Cup Series. But yes, there was a little bit of strategy luck involved in that, because had the, that caution not flown, him and Michael McDowell would have had eventually pit. They probably wouldn't have finished where they finished, Tyler. I mean, yes, but I mean, that's that's good strategy. I wouldn't call that luck. They knew what they were doing. I mean... Well, they got lucky with the caution. Okay, yeah, if you want to call it that. I... I I don't want to take away from what Josh Berry did. David, that was a big deal for Josh Berry to step into Chase Elliott's car and, and get that second-place finish. Uh, I mean, jo- Josh Berry is, is here to stay. I mean, I, I hope that he gets uh, you know, gets that opportunity next year, finds that full cup time, uh, full-time riding cup, because he, he showed that he belongs on that stage. Hey, Tyler, I'm going to agree with you on that. He's uh, he's uh, proven himself. He's a winner in the Xfinity Series. And uh, you know, having, having given the opportunity has really showed people that, hey, he is a Cubs caliper driver. And, uh, you know, you know, you guys have been doing this a long time. Uh, all race car drivers, sometimes the race plays out in your favor. And other times, you know, luck is not on your side. But, you know, to finish second, you still got to drive that race car. You got to race it hard. And he did that, and he finished second. And, uh, you know, so I agree with you, Tyler. I, be- I believe that Josh Berry's here to stay on the cup side. And, uh, as, and, and along your thing, I'll be surprised if he's not a full-time cup driver in 2024. Um, as far as getting points goes for that nine car, uh, Dominic, between, you know, playoff points and stage points and all that, um, whenever Chase Elliott comes back on the owner points side and for the owner points title, I think they're still going to be in pretty decent shape. Chase, um, as long as he gets a win, he should be in the playoff and be okay. But we might see a weird situation where that car has a big discrepancy in owner points and owner playoff points compared to what Chase has when he comes back based on how well Josh Berry's done. Well, it's like what we saw last year for 2311 racing was doing the musical chairs with Ty Gibbs and Bubba Wallace and John Hunter Emichek. All these guys were filling in Kurt Busch's absence because that number 45 car was so high in owner's points because Kurt Busch won at Kansas in May. And I think back to 2016 too, Tyler, when Dale Earnhardt Jr. was taken out of the car 
And he ran the first 18 races, was sidelined with the concussion issues. Alex Bowman fills in. Jeff Gordon came in for a few races out of retirement. And that number 88 car, owner's points-wise, is very close to making the playoffs. Now, you're even a few years before the 55 and Michael Waltrip racing. So, yes, we could see a situation where those owner points are a lot higher. It'll be interesting to see what that reset looks like in September. And if Chase Elliott makes that way into the playoffs, which, Tyler, I have a hard time thinking – how are we going to see a 2023 playoff with Chase Elliott not a part of it? Right. And without well, Hendrick is running, finishing second when he's not there. Chase Elliott's going to get a win when he comes back. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll do the infamous Charles Barkley guarantee <laughs> for uh, Chase Elliott getting that win. Let's uh, look ahead to uh, this weekend. Easter weekend, the Bristol Dirt Race, Sunday night. Um what a scene it is going to be for the Cup Series to be back on the D Bristol dirt. David, the first year they did this, it was kind of a mess. Um, Joey Logano ended up winning. The race got pushed to Monday, rain involved, and uh, they were just happy to get it over with. It wasn't, I mean, well, let's be honest, it wasn't that great. Last year, though, the they, they kind of figured their stuff out, and they put on an exciting show. Tyler Reddick led most of that race, and – Ultimately came up just short there at the end. But here we are, David. Uh, I mean, I, I got to tell you, I'm I'm excited about this, uh, about this race here at uh, the Bristol Dirt Race uh, Sunday night. They've had a couple years to figure this thing out. As long as we avoid the rain factor, there's no reason why this shouldn't be an exciting show Sunday night. Man, just as exciting as it was last year, I think it's going to be even more exciting this year. And, and Tyler, like, you know, if that's what you, you know, NASCAR has gotten it figured out. The first year, they learned a lot of things, came back their sophomore year. And, man, it, I just thought it was a, it, just a hell of a race. And, uh, man, for their third year, I I, I expect nothing but a, just a, an awesome race like it was last year. And if you can top that, you know, but NASCAR, I'm not surprised. They're always studying to, and and. Uh, and really looking at all angles of the event and the race to try to figure out how to make it even a better show. And knowing NASCAR like I know them, I think we're going to see a hell of a race. I think they're going to make some changes to make it even better than it was last year, and last year was awesome. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Dominic, uh, your thoughts on uh, the, the, the race here at the Bristol Dirt. I know that Typically, you know, when, when this thing started a couple of years ago, we were thinking, oh, you, you got to have the dirt guys like the Christopher Bells, the Kyle Larsons of the world. But from what we've seen through two years of this race, you, you don't have to have any dirt experience to be competitive in this race. 100%. I think back to 2021 when Martin Trucks Jr. wanted to sign up with the Kyle Busch Motorsports truck to get some experience on dirt because he never raced it. He went out and won the truck race. I believe he ran really well in the cup race. So it's just a matter of right place, right time. That was the big theme of last year's race with Chase Briscoe and Tyler Reddick having the issues there on the final lap and Kyle Busch sneaking on by to lead the only lap that got him his only win of the 2022 season. Jonathan Davenport, dirt racing legend, will be running this weekend for Colleague Racing, and we have 37 cars on the entry list, so we know nobody's going home. But not a lot of dirt guys on the schedule. I'm surprised, Tyler, that we're not seeing somebody like Stuart Friesen hop in a vehicle, and even B.J. McLeod in that 78 car, Josh Williams, ran his car last year. BJ's on the entry list right now, and it looks like he will run the Bristol Dirt Race. How about that? Uh, isn't that exciting? Uh, 
David, I know you wish you were out there this weekend. Uh, you know, no Xfinity at all there at uh, Bristol. Uh, this this going to be something else uh, to see these guys and uh, you know on the dirt there at Bristol uh, is. What, what, what do you make of what NASCAR has done to put this event together? It seemed just three years ago the idea of the NASCAR Cup Series on dirt like a like a dream, like impossible. And here we are. We've been doing this a couple of years now. This thing looks like it's here to stay. Man, I think uh, I was I, – man, I was excited and 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 I thought that was great. And NASCAR, to, dirt is so popular around the, you know, the country. You know, dirt racing is – is man, there's, there's a lot of dirt racers across America, and it's very popular. And it was cool to see that NASCAR really, you know, took notice of that. And, 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 and you know, you got the best race car drivers in the world that compete in the NASCAR, uh, NASCAR Cup Series. You're the best race car drivers in the world. So it's really cool to see how dirt diversified they are. And we talk about, you know, uh, here in Dominic speak about the, 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 the dirt racers that would come in and jump in a cup car. Well, man, you know, last, you know, the first two, you know, when Joey Logano won, you know, we're, everybody's like, Joey Logano? But, man, you talking about one of the all-time best race car drivers ever, you know? And it just shows you how good he is. You know, he can go from winning a race at, you know, Martinsville, Virginia, and go to go – to, dirt on Bristol, you know, just unheard of, but man, you know, the Tyler Reddick, uh, you know, it's just on and on and on Kyle Busch, just man, Martin Truex Jr. I mean, just our superstars of our, of our NASCAR cup series in America. You, you are talking about the race car drivers in the world, the best race car drivers in the world. And I'm not surprised how good they are on dirt. And uh, you guys see the same show I see, and, uh, man, I just think NASCAR did a hell of a job by, by bringing dirt racing back to the Cup Series. And I don't think they could have scripted any better. And uh, I think we're going to see a great race Sunday night. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Dominic, uh, I was watching the uh, the F1 race on, uh, what was that, Saturday night. And, uh, you know, they had that debacle of a finish uh, there. I don't know if anybody – if anybody saw that or not, but that made some headlines of like, wow, you know, crash at the line like it was a NASCAR race or something like, just wait till you see NASCAR overtime. And it got me thinking, you know, F1, respect to those guys. Those are some incredible racers, but they're only racing on road courses, right? You go to IndyCar and they run a few ovals here and there, but not like what NASCAR does. And they do the road courses. Um, you know, sports car racing, obviously, is all road courses and everything. There is, I, I would argue that right now, at least right now anyway, NASCAR racing is the hardest discipline in motorsports because of how diverse that schedule is of you got to race on dirt, road courses, street courses, super speedways, short tracks, mile and a half. Um, credit to NASCAR, SMI, uh, parties that be. You yeah. Miss, how about how about Coliseums? Coliseums <laughs> too, yeah. I mean, no, no other motorsports discipline comes even close to having the challenges and the diversity of tracks that that NASCAR is offering right now, and uh, it's it's pretty remarkable. I mean, if 
if you're the champion, if you're winning these races, I mean, you got to be good everywhere. No, 100%. And, 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 like, I think just all the disciplines that you did mention, all the different types of racing. And I think there's a reason, Tyler, you don't really see part-time guys try their hand at the road course races. The road course ringers of the 2000s, the Scott Pruitts, Ron Fellows, those types. We don't really see that anymore. There's no need for it. Like David said, these drivers have gotten better everywhere. There's no need to put a ringer in because, oh, the car's low in owner points, so we need to bring it up and bring an, a, an expert in. These guys are all experts because of the different types of racing they go to. Yeah, granted, the charters have done away with bringing in part-time guys and seeing all these different teams fielded. But even if that wasn't the case, these drivers have gotten so good over the years, there's no need to bring in specialists for other types of racing events. They're specialists everywhere. Right, right. Um, David, th this schedule uh, has changed drastically within the last few years. And... Um, with still some more surprises ahead, like this street course that we're going to see in Chicago and the dirt race, the fact that it stayed on the schedule here. I mean, what, what you guys and your fellow drivers are going through, NASCAR is just putting you through a gauntlet right now. And, and not to mention, there's not testing either. There's not a whole lot of that. So you guys have to bring your A game every week. And, and, and I don't know how these guys do it. I mean, it's it's pretty remarkable how – how great these guys are at every different types of these courses. They're not afraid of the challenge. Tyler, you, we are talking about professional auto racing and uh, you know, I don't care if you're talking about the NASCAR camping world truck series, I mean, Craftsman truck series or the NASCAR Xfinity series or the NASCAR cup series. I mean, you're talking about the, the best of the best uh, are these three national series. When you make it to the NASCAR, NASCAR Truck Series or the Xfinity Series or the Cup Series. I mean, you talk about the best race car drivers in the world, you know, and, and definitely in the United States. You don't just make it to the Truck Series or the Xfinity Series by just being mediocre. You know, I mean, you know, it's like pretty damn good. You know, you earn the right to be there. And it just shows you how, how really good all the drivers that compete at the level of NASCAR, whether it be Trucks, Xfinity, or Cup, how how good they are and how diverse they are and even you know we talk about it dom just hit on it. it's like you know they're all specialists even though that they don't have any dirt experience you 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 turn a, a, a half mile half asphalt high bank uh concrete track into a dirt track and next thing you know we're all surprised by how good they all are you know what i mean but it's really not surprising because you know, these guys are the best of the best, you know, and uh doesn't surprise me, you know. And uh if you make it to NASCAR, you can pretty much jump in any race car and perform. I don't care what type of racetrack it is. You're that good. And that's what we, we've seen over the years. Yeah, we certainly have. Um Let's uh, get to our picks, and then we'll move on to uh, news and notes here. That's a big wild card. There's a whole lot of different directions you could go with this. Uh Guys, I, I'm going to go – I'm picking back-to-back. -back. I think Kyle Larson uh, gets it done, goes from Richmond to Bristol and gets the win, uh, goes back to his roots on dirt. I know I just said that you uh, – just because you're a dirt racer doesn't mean that you're necessarily a favorite here, but Hendrick's got momentum. Kyle's running good. I like Kyle Larson. How about you, uh, Dominic? Big Larson last week, but I'm going to defer here and actually go somebody else. And I think the other king of the dirt gets it done and gets his first dirt win at Bristol. Christopher Bell gets that number 20 car in victory lane Sunday and gets his first one of the 2023 season. David, who will it be? 
Man, you know, we always talk about momentum, momentum, momentum. So y'all know who I'm thinking about, uh, you know, uh, William Byron. But, you know, it's hard. It's really hard to pick one. You know, you you know, Joey Logano's impressive and, and uh, you know, Truex is impressive. But, you know, we got to pick one. So, you know, I think I'm going to go with William Byron just because how strong he's been all year long, you know. And, uh, you know, I don't think uh, – the Hendrick organization for the dirt race is going to disappoint any of us. And, uh, you know, so I'm going to go with William Byron and kind of ride that momentum up to the next race, which is the Bristol dirt race. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good pick. Uh, news and notes segment coming up next. Uh, then we'll have asked David at the end of the show. Uh, Dominic, go ahead and catch us up to speed. Uh, we got some juicy headlines this week. We do. We're going to start off with some juicy headlines out of the ratings game. Adam Stern with the Sports Business Journal, of course, reporting early in the week on follow-up numbers from the NASCAR race and the IndyCar and Formula One races as well. So we'll break down the numbers. I want to get your guys' thoughts on this because Richmond ratings were really down this week. And I know we've been talking 10, 15, 20%. How it was on FS1, though, compared to last year's race that was on Fox. Sure, but we're down 40-some percent compared to last year. That's 2.3 million viewers this year compared to 3.9 million the last year. NBC's IndyCar race got 830,000 viewers compared to 954,000 the year before. That's about a 14% drop-off. And then Formula One from Australia, looking with ESPN, 556,000 viewers. That's a drop-off of 13,000 viewers from the year before, or about a 2% drop-off. So those numbers do fall off a little bit more. Yes, Fox and Fox FS1 certainly do have an impact on that. But when you're 40% on the surface, Tyler, that is a lot. I, I Two things uh, to keep in mind there. One, it was on cable. And then the other factor, the Women's National Championship game of college basketball was Sunday and was the highest rated women's college basketball game of all time with 10 million viewers wanting to see LSU and uh, with Kim Mulkey and Caitlin Clark, who's one of the best college basketball players we've ever seen. Um, that game was here in Dallas and was getting a whole lot of attention. 10 million people watched that. So I think that kind of took away from the thunder. Being on cable never helps. Uh, but ratings have been kind of down for the most part this year, Dom, and not just NASCAR, but kind of all of motorsports uh, right now is uh, kind of trending downward a little. Absolutely. And, yeah, I guess – this is one of those things, numbers, you know me, I'm a numbers guy, I like taking a look at those. But you're right, you have to consider the fact that last year's race was on cable. Not everybody's going to have FS1 or the whole sports package with their, their deals. Yeah, yeah. Um, David, uh, ratings down a little bit, but, I mean, uh, I think people will catch on as long as we keep putting on some exciting races like we've been seeing here. Man, how good the racing is, it's, you know, it's, it's – uh... You know, the racing, the the attendance, uh, you know, the ratings being down some and hearing y'all speak about it uh, has not affected the product on the racetrack. The product on the racetrack is phenomenal. And whether you're talking about IndyCar racing, NASCAR Cup Series, the Xfinity race or the Truck Series, the racing is over the top. Uh, you know, and I was just, just listening to you guys speak about, you know, your theory on what's going on there. And I, I do believe there's so much going on in the world and in the United States, a lot of sporting events. You know, you, you know, a lot of the NASCAR fans, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're interested in other sports as well. So 
you know, there's so much going on on these on these race weekends. You know, I'm not surprised that the ratings are down like they are just because there's so many other sporting events going on. You know, and right. and I just feel like that's that's probably what we're seeing there. And then hearing that m all of the major, uh, you know, motorsports in general is down. You know, I just think there's so much other stuff other events going on and uh you know it's uh you know it's hard to put your finger on uh it's hard to read into that you know what i mean uh, uh the energy uh, uh when i'm at the racetrack the energy the 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 passion that our race fans have uh it, it's over the top you know and uh so, you know, it, it's it's hard to really read into um, why the ratings are down. For me personally, I just think there's so much other things, so much other sporting events going on, concerts going on. Uh, but uh, but I can assure you that the the racing itself, how good it is and how competitive it is, is not a reflection of why the ratings are down you know what i mean so right. it's well and uh you know chase elliott's been out a few weeks i imagine a lot of chase elliott fans are probably tuned out for the time being until he comes back uh i would think that's a factor as well so we'll uh continue violent and see uh what uh, happens there on the uh, ratings front what else going on Dom? well we know kyle bush is a very vocal man and anytime he gets the chance to have a microphone in front of him he's going to speak out and he spoke out about his displeasure of the lack of respect that we saw amongst drivers at the road course races and just across the NASCAR garage in general. But taking that a step further, he did comment ahead of the Indy Annapolis race that we're going to see later ahead this year and how the race has become very predictable and that why are we going to the road course? Why are we not running the oval? Which brings up a bigger topic in mind there, Tyler, and the fact that Will we see Indianapolis swap back and forth between the road course and the oval? We know they're running the road course this year, and IMS had said in the past that they were open to going back and forth. Or I should say NASCAR and IMS were open to going back and forth between the oval and the road course, but are we becoming too saturated with road courses on the schedule? Um, no, I, I I love road courses, and road course racing has been really good. Um, you know, I understand there's history there with uh, – with the oval and everything, that's what you think of when you think of Indy. But think about this, FIA, uh, the Motorsports Track Grading Association, primarily does stuff with F1. Uh, they they gave that track, the Indy Oval, an A-plus rating, okay? or the, uh, the Indy Road Course. That is a great road course, um, you know, by all analysis. And we've seen some really good racing there. With that said... Um, when they went to the road course, they were hoping that attendance would go up, and that didn't really happen. Kind of stayed the same the last few years. Um, so it didn't really have effect one way or the other. I want to see them run the oval again, but I don't want to see the road course necessarily go away either. David, uh, maybe we can we can have a balancing act between the two. I would I would be all in favor of rotating between the oval and the road course and get the best of both. Let's say you. Yeah, you know, when I think of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, I think of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and that's the two-point-mile Indianapolis 500 racetrack, you know. And, uh, you know, it's such the, you know, it's, it's man, it's the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And, you know, I know that the Indy cars go there and run on the road course 
I think a week prior to, uh, they have a race, sanctioned race that's a week prior to the Indianapolis 500. So, you know, I, I believe the NASCAR Cup Series and the Xfinity Series deserves the opportunity to, to run on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It's, it's actually one of my favorite races. Uh, but, you know, I'm not so sure if they, uh, it should be another stop on, on, the, on the schedule that you come back and run a weekend there on the road course, you know. But I, I would like to see the Brickyard 400 be, you know, ran on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, not the road course part of it, but the, the oval part of it, you know. And if uh, they wanted to run on the, on the road course part, then you would come back at a later date somewhere in the schedule and run the road course there. But for me, I kind of I kind of side with Kyle Busch on that. I, I really miss – uh man it's it's amazing racing at the indianapolis motor speedway uh I, this the history and everything and uh i don't know i really miss the the original brickyard 400 and man i couldn't wait to go and race the xfinity race to drive and to race on the indianapolis motor speedway i just thought that was the probably one of the coolest things as a race car driver you could ever do so you know, I know the road course produces great racing, but, man, I'd love to see them back on the oval there. Dominic, uh, the last time we saw NASCAR racing on that oval, let's be honest, it wasn't good. The last cup car was not s s good for that track. We haven't seen the next-gen car on that track. Before we fully go in to bring back the oval, I I'd like to see a test session or something and and see what type of racing product we can produce because what we saw last was not what we saw when NASCAR first came to the Oval and put together exciting racing. I think supporting that, too, when you look over the years, Indianapolis did produce somewhat good racing in its first few years, but I think of 2008, I think no matter what race you look at Indianapolis, that big tire debacle where they're having to throw a caution flag every 12 laps because so that many tires were exploding, the 2017 crash vest were what was it 25 cars did not finish the race or 2020 at least with the pandemic and and how they had to shuffle everything with the schedule and seeing Kevin Harvick and Matt Kenseth come down to the end in that race but outside of that really haven't thought of any memorable Brickyard 400 traditional oval races but that next gen car could give it another chance another go possibly yeah I loved when uh, Tony Stewart climbed the fence there uh There's you know that was an iconic moment and you know, Earnhardt and Jeff Gordon, their wins there. But, yeah, it's been a while, that's for sure. Dom, what else we got going? The last headline before we move on to everybody's favorite segment, the NASCAR Streamline – well, the Streamline Hotel, the Daytona Streamline Hotel, where the NASCAR idea was drafted up and the actual organization NASCAR, the birthplace of NASCAR, was done there in Daytona Beach along US1. A New York investment group has purchased the property for over $6.7 million, the original – birthplace of NASCAR. No word at this time exactly what's going to be happening with the property, but Tyler, David, I'm actually shocked that NASCAR hadn't already purchased the property years ago and had made that some sort of museum or some sort of bigger piece. I, I know we've driven by that, Tyler, on our way to and from the track. I've never been inside it, but I would imagine that would be something that I would have thought NASCAR would have wanted preserved over the years. Yeah, um, maybe, you know, a museum or put something on display like the original rules or something like that. You know I mean? That'd be a cool historic site. I've never been over there myself. David, you've been over there? Oh, many, many, many times. It's a historical landmark for myself, you know, uh, just 
loving the sport as a little boy, reading y'all about it. I always read about the story that the birthplace of NASCAR and in the meeting that happened there. And when I, the first time I ever went to Daytona, that was one of the places I stopped in the hotel and just went up to the, to the room where they had the meeting and just, you know, I just felt like I was in the presence of, you know, it just the feeling I got every time I walk in there and, and go there. And I, Dominic, I, I obviously agree with you 110%. It's amazing that NASCAR never really purchased, purchased that building because it's such a historic, historical landmark there in Daytona. And, and the I would say the birthplace of NASCAR, uh, you know, and I'm saddened to hear that probably an investment group brought the property and, and you know, and, and hearing the news of, of that, I'm just afraid what's going to happen next is going to be, a, it's not going to be in the favor of a lot of people that are very passionate about the sport of NASCAR. You know, I'm, you know, I, I, I'd hate to ever learn that they're going to bulldoze the place down and build some, you know, Taj Mahal over the top, you know, hotel, whatever, you know what I mean? But, you know, I, I hope that never happens. And, uh, but definitely a historical landmark in our, in our, in our sport and there, and then also there in Daytona. Absolutely. Yeah, so. yeah. And, I, and I think too, just to, to give a little more context on the story too, the owner who sold the hotel to this investment group purchased the hotel back in 2014 for about $900,000 and poured in $6 million in investments in it to keep the, the property upkeep on it. So there really is no telling what this group is going to do, this investment group, but it sounds like there were renovations in place or at least to try to preserve the place a little bit. Okay. Well, that's great news, man. I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because uh, it is a historical landmark, uh, big time there in Daytona and big time in, 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 you know, in NASCAR racing. I mean, that's where the, where the name, I think it was 1949, where that meeting happened. I mean, you're the historian, Dominic. What when, what year was that? And they came up with the, the name of NASCAR in that room up there. So it was officially done in 1947 with the official NASCAR sanctioning happening in 1949 with the races and the points and et cetera. But in 47, that's when everything came to fruition. That's the birthplace of our industry and the sport that we hold near and dear to our hearts. And, and I... And I would have thought that the France family would, would and you know, and, and I'm, I'm, and I don't know. I'm speaking out of terms here. They, you know, they, they might that place. You know, you just don't know the behind the scenes on the business aspect of it. You know, they, they might own a piece of it, or you just don't know. But, uh, but I just hope uh, moving forward in the future, uh, and that we preserve the history of the sport, and and that would be a place that I would always preserve because of, because of the history there that's, that's happened in that building. And oh, I'll yeah. have one more thing, Tyler, before we move on. W, WNDB, upon some further research, the NewsDaytonaBeach.com website, they are reporting that the investment group, one of the primary investors did say that everybody who's working there right now will be keeping their job. So that is a promising sign. But again, there's no other details on what the future holds for this property or the people that work there. Yeah, um, we'll see what happens. Uh, but you know, hopefully uh, you can preserve its history and you know, some type of museum of some sorts. I mean, the, the France family, they're, they're not lacking money by any means. You know, if they wanted it, they probably could have had it. I mean, just over the weekend, guys, I, I was thinking about this. So the WWE 
uh, half of the WWE got purchased for $9 billion by Endeavor. And it got me thinking, well, then how much is NASCAR worth? If the <laughs> WWE, half of it is worth $9 billion, and NASCAR with all its tracks and facilities and everything around it, I mean, if, if the France family or whoever ever wants to sell, I mean, there's going to be a nice paycheck coming their way, put it that way, uh, if that day comes. So um, moving on now, uh, time for our Ask David segment. You submit questions to us on uh, email, davidstarpodcast.gmail.com, also on Facebook and Twitter, at Star Podcast. Our uh, first question in the inbox this week comes from Laura. Laura wants to know, David, have you ever raced on dirt before? Man, I have. As a kid growing up, uh, you know, my, I started uh, my racing career uh, in, in Beaumont, Texas, at a, at a, at a dirt track uh, uh, on the highway, yeah, you know, Highway 90 Raceway, Chinatown. But man, I man, I from the time I was 13 years old to the time I was probably 22, 23 years old, that's all I did. Friday night, Saturday night, sometimes on Sunday, man, I was. That's all I did. I was a dirt racer and uh, lived every second, every minute of it. It was awesome, and uh, I'll I'll never forget the this how much fun and and all that you learn and all the people that gave me an opportunity to drive the different types of dirt cars that I was able to drive over the years. But yes, definitely lots of dirt experience. That's awesome, David. Uh, you know whether it's on the NASCAR side or even just a. Uh local dirt track or something is that something you want to do again is uh, get back on a dirt track in, in, of some sorts hey man uh, absolutely you know it's just my time and, and most of us if we get get opportunity we're not man i'm not much of a spectator you know even when i'm taking my boys to a local dirt track man to sit up in the stands and watch it you know i'm not much on, on watching i want to be out there competing it don't matter you know, uh, a dirt track, three-eighths mile dirt track or a three-eighths mile asphalt track, you know, just sitting and watching is just, it's just, man, it's just, I don't do that well, you know. So I would love to, to jump in a dirt car, uh, uh, you know, sometime soon. I think that would just be so much fun and takes you back to your roots, man, where it all started. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be awesome uh, for sure. Uh, Dominic, uh you know, I, I know that you and I aren't obviously racers, but if I could just get in a car for, you know, 30 minutes and just ride around in dirt, I, I would love, I would take advantage of every moment of that. I'll tell you what, I did take advantage of that a couple of years ago. I know he listens to the podcast, Mr. Ken Kurtz. I know you're listening. That was fun testing your number two X Monte Carlo style, 1986 Monte Carlo style race car at Uranium Capital Speedway in Milan, New Mexico. Tyler, that was a lot of fun. I got to do about 12 laps in that car. On dirt. On dirt. And you really can feel the, the, the surface of the dirt just change beneath you. As you're doing more laps and you're getting more up to speed, you really have to kind of, at least in my experience, you had to adjust the line a little bit. You had to really adjust how you were going to approach each corner. And, man, I got to tell you, it felt like you were slipping and sliding every turn, and that was probably the most fun part of it. And you just mash it down the front stretch, let off a little bit in the corners, and you're playing with that steering wheel, just getting feel for it. It was a lot of fun. I would not mind doing that in some official racing at some point, but just to test a vehicle was so much fun, man. Very hey, good. Hey, we well, know a guy, right, Tyler? That owns a racing school. <laughs> 
some of the best race car drivers in, in America uh, are dirt racers. And man, the world of outlaws, you know, when the event they have in Tulsa, the, the uh, Chili Bowl and man, it's amazing what these kids and, and these dirt racers can do with these sprint cars and these midget race cars and these, you know, uh, dirt late model cars, man, are just so, so good. And, uh, you know, when you step into a, uh, you know, you go to a local dirt track somewhere and somewhere in the United States, man, these, these, these guys and women are really, really skilled and talented, you know, and, um, um, it was always fun years ago when I'd go to a dirt track and somebody give me the opportunity to jump in their race car. I mean, because man, you only thing you want to do is win, but it was so competitive because these guys are really, really good at, you know, on whatever class they're running. But man, you know, and you guys, you know, you look at our sport of NASCAR racing, a lot of our winners and former champions and future champions where they come from, you know, where they come from is dirt track racing, you know, dirt racing. And man, those, those skills and, and car control you learn racing dirt cars, I, I think it's, it's it's priceless, man. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, great stuff there uh, on that front. Uh, one more follow question uh, before we go. This one comes from Alan. Alan wants to know, guys, if you could have one last meal on earth, what would it be and why? David, we'll start with you. <laughs> Damn, Alan, that's a tough question. Dang, we like, man, that's a hard one. You know, my buddy Rich Fix and Missy Fix, when I go up to, uh, you know, uh, uh, Reading, Pennsylvania, we race up there in Pocono, Pennsylvania, or, or Dover, Delaware, you know, I, I always go to Missy and Rich's uh, beach house over there in, in, in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. And, man, this those lobsters that Rich makes and the crab and, man, the seafood, but, you guys know we love our Mexican food here in Texas, you know. I mean, it's just man, it that's that's a tough one, man. I, that's uh that's something I gotta think about. But uh uh but man, that, that's a tough one. I, I'd have to say some Mexican food, you know. One more time, just give me that Mexican food one more time, you know. One more time, man. Uh Dominic, what would be your answer for your last meal? And if you say pineapple pizza, uh, we might have a problem. What makes you think I'm going to say that? You just assume that's going to be my answer every time? Yes. Well, no, you were mistaken, Tyler. It would be something that has to do with meat, like whether it be something with beef, with some green chili. So I'm leaning more towards that Mexican side, like David said as well, and the Mexico food. But it'd be a big, hearty meal, something that would keep me full all day, something with beans. Yeah, I'd have a little bit of everything in there and probably a whole 13 by 9 pan of yellow cake with chocolate frosting to top it all off. But that's just me, Tyler. What about you? I would need a three-course meal of some sorts, and steak would have to be involved. Like, I don't necessarily have to eat a steak, but whether it's like steak fajitas or steak somewhere in there, I need my steak to be involved one way or another uh, as far as my last meal on earth goes. Cheesecake for dessert, uh, too. I, I need some cheesecake. Uh, I don't eat cheesecake that often, but I cherish every time I get it. Cheesecake Factory. I, I know no free ads, but the Cheesecake Factory. You guys had that cheesecake there. I mean, that's 
April on Sunday, man. It was great. I love the cheesecake. How can you go to Cheesecake Factory and not have that for dessert? Oh, all right. Yeah. Hey, Jay, just give me some ice cream, dudes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, fun show today. Uh, breaking down everything in the uh, world of motorsports. Uh, as always, you can uh, subscribe to the show each and every week. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Uh, leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Before we go, guys, uh, around the room, uh, what's going on this weekend? Uh, David, we'll start with you. Uh, Easter coming up on Sunday. Bristol Dirt Race uh, Sunday night. What's uh, what's on the docket for you uh, this weekend? Man, just spending time with my family and uh, getting together with my mom and dad and sister and brothers and just enjoying Easter time, you know, and and uh, uh, going to going to Easter Mass and uh, spending time Easter egg hunting and hiding eggs and uh, got a racing school tomorrow at Texas Motor Speedway and. Uh, just uh, it's a busy week, but uh, but man, looking forward to a a great holiday weekend, and then and definitely watching the uh, the Cup race at Bristol on dirt Sunday night. That's going to be exciting, you know. Oh yeah, so, for sure. Kind of my plans. What about you guys? Uh, I'll be uh, headed back home to Tulsa, uh, see the family, and go to church and everything. Enjoy the uh, Easter weekend with them. So that'd be nice. Head back home and. And uh, spend a couple days up there, watch the race and everything. So uh, I've been on the road so much, you know, Houston, Austin, Vegas, Daytona, whatever. It'd be nice just to be home for a couple days. So that's hey, Dominic, I Dominic, I know Tyler definitely needs to go to church because he, uh, <laughs> he he needs he he I do he definitely needs to go and ask for forgiveness. You know, we we spend a little time with him, so I'm I'm excited <laughs> that he go to church this week and it's coming weekend hey you know what he, he needs to ask the priest for forgiveness before he begins that awful summer tour jones thing david that he's going to relaunch that should be yeah, a sin in that, itself i think that 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 tour has been canceled a long time ago but he still needs to go to confession you know he is <laughs> well yeah. you know what none, none of us are perfect uh you know we we all have fallen short uh as <laughs> as they say um but uh yeah i probably do need to Need to do some repenting of some sorts for this weekend. Uh, I was behaved a little bit in Houston, uh, but hey, see, Dom, hard time believing that. But but anyway, <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you mean. And, and like I'm only like you this weekend, David. I'm going to mass with the family, and it, it takes a little special, different interest for me this time around with Easter. I've always enjoyed it with the family, of course, but with my wife and son now, and Christopher getting to experience his first Easter. I know he's not going to remember it, but we're going to do a little Easter egg hunt for him in the back of. His grandparents' backyards. So it's going to be fun. It'll be a little different. It'll be cool to see it from that perspective. And all those years where my parents took that time with my brother and I, and we did our Easter egg hunts, and we do adult Easter egg hunts at the house, and we still do that. It's going to be fun to really see that with my son and just take that role now as father and see how that rolls, man. It's going to be fun. I'm sure you can relate to that the last 13, 14 years. I'm sure it's even more special. It's 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 awesome, man. You create memories and uh yeah, just it just makes Easter just a little bit more special. It's always been special, but you know, it's just having your own, you know, y'all's beautiful baby, and and it just oh, makes yeah. it special, you know. I and should they, send, they, and I Dom, should send I, Dominic a basket with a basketball. <laughs> 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 oh, I mean, you guys act like I I don't behave of some sorts. I mean, I, I've been under the same roof for both of you. I I don't need to be babysat. I'm all right. 
Tyler, you no. just I'll, I'll speak different on that, Tyler. Or David, he does need a little bit of babysitting sometimes in Daytona, but I'm happy to step up. That shovel, man, he's just digging himself a bigger hole there. So we we probably don't need to open up that can of worms there, but uh, but he's definitely digging a bigger hole here that he's going to well, have a hard time. I'll leave you with this, David. His nickname for me in Daytona for him, I'm the designated Dom. <laughs> I think where Tyler goes, he has a designated something. You know what I mean? So <laughs> <laughs> I'm better huh? behaved than somebody we all know here. I won't say names. Uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we all know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, we'll sign off. Uh, everybody, have a great Easter uh, with your loved ones and uh, celebrating, uh, you know, the resurrection of our Lord. You know, there's really nothing like it. We're all grateful for that. And uh, enjoy yourselves. Enjoy the race this weekend. And uh, we'll see you back here next week. Uh, for David Starr, Dominic Armagon, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. It's been another edition of Let's Go Race. We'll see you next week.